Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're going through the whole Bible together, book by book, chapter by chapter. But before we get back into Joshua, and I've been thoroughly enjoying Joshua, and tomorrow I'm looking forward to it. We're going to do Joshua 14, and Caleb shows up. Uh, just two of my favorite characters, Joshua and Caleb, in the Old Testament. But before we do that, we're actually taking a little pause, as we often do, on these uh, usually like first or third Mondays that thereabouts of the month to take a look at the Psalter. So some of these Psalms, and this is a really cool Psalm. I look at it and you might be thinking like, well, we should have done this back in Advent, Uh, but it's just, it's a really cool Psalm. It's one that uh, we have a hymn that's basically just singing this song, right? That, that beloved hymn, lift up your heads, ye mighty gates, right? You know, lift up your heads, ye mighty gates. And like that that's what it says here. That is the psalm. Looking at Psalm 24 today. So it's just a beautiful like hymn that's just basically for us there in the Old Testament. Uh, this king of glory language, though, right? Like, what, what does that really mean when you unpack that? Uh, it says it's a psalm of David, right? Like, how do you kind of read this in the context of David, right? Like, you don't necessarily make that connection when you're singing the psalm, uh, singing the, the hymn. So there's a lot of stuff in here. Only 10 verses, but uh, a lot to, to unpack today. And joining us, we've got Pastor David Boyce-Claire, pastor of faith in Bethesda Lutheran Churches in Pine Lawn, Missouri. I'm sure um, there is much rejoicing in Bethesda, uh, among the people of faith in Bethesda in Pine Lawn, as there must be in St. Louis with the victory of the Chiefs yesterday. Uh, good Absolute, morning, Pastor Absolutely. <laughs> yes, yes. We're very thankful, thankful to God <laughs> for this adiaphorous uh, victory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And I was, I was, I mean, I was just thinking about it. Like it, it, you you can't really feel too bad about what happened yesterday. It's just I mean, it's a pretty feel good victory. It's like you know they like come from behind and they, they, they score this decisive victory with their you know beloved coach and their their kind of new quarterback and they break the drought of like fifty years. It's like no one can like feel bad about that, right? I mean, even right. if you're a San Francisco fan, it's like wow, come on. I mean, fifty years, you know. <laughs> and, and and San Francisco, of course, is is a great team, and and it uh, you know has has won I think probably more Super Bowls, you know. Oh, certainly, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, everyone everyone likes to. I mean, no, no one can resist an underdog, right? You know, or at least kind yeah. of historically, anyway. So, uh, but Absolutely. yeah, yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Uh, but yeah, we're not going to talk about the Super Bowl uh, the whole hour. Um, it was actually also um, Candlemas. Uh, yes, it uh, was. What is, to, yes. what is today a rather obscure church holiday, but one that we observed at our church at St. Paul's in Irvine. And yeah, we, we celebrated mm-hmm. and we had like lots of candles and we had the readings for the purification of uh, the mother of our Lord and uh, his presentation. So uh, also uh, like a lot of coming we, off of a lot of celebrating today. We right? did that as well uh, in our parish. You know, some, very sometimes good. I like to follow the the regular readings for the season, like uh, the fourth Sunday after Epiphany. But uh, in this case, uh, it just just kind of seemed uh, appropriate. And it's very Epiphany. It's a main Epiphany event to have uh, the uh-huh. celebration of the presentation of our Lord in the temple. Yeah, and actually, there is something I think about um, <laughs> the occasion of Candlemas uh, and what we have here in Psalm uh, twenty-four. It actually, kind of works. 
I, I think in a few levels that, you know, this is the idea, like the, the king of glory, the, the idea is like he's coming in, right? And and there he is like 40 days after his birth, he like comes in to the temple. Like this is the place where he belongs because he is the king of glory, right? And uh, right. I mean, I think there's actually a lot of um, Candlemas. I mean, I don't think Psalm 24 is uh, the appointed psalm for the occasion, but I think there's actually a lot of uh, thematic connections here. Yeah, it's it, it's a psalm similar to that. Uh, uh, the the sides of the north. I think one of the, what is that Psalm 25 or one? Uh, it, it's like um, uh, you know the same kind of idea. Coming up into the house of the Lord and delighting to be in His temple and and right. the people of God, uh, you know, going up into Jerusalem to be in God's temple, and that's kind right. of what's going on in this psalm as well. Right, right, yeah. I, I think I think the Candlemas psalm is 84, and I think you're right. right. It, it's like it's very similar themes, like like that, the idea of just, um, you know, like savoring the victory of God being in his presence, in his temple, in his place, certainly. Yes. So, so yeah. So, uh, yes, con- congrats to everybody uh, in, in Missouri. And, uh, yeah, like just Thank making you. some connections <laughs> here to—, <laughs> to uh, yeah, yeah, no. It's not here in Southern California. It's like Northern California is like a different state, so yes, it doesn't, yeah, does, it, doesn't it, mean anything. It's very to us true. Here, it's so. very true. Yeah, you have, <laughs> anyway. you have quite a number of teams down there. In in, uh, in fact, our our Rams or our former Rams. Are down there. Yeah, that's right. That's there's yeah, yeah. There's kind of a kind of couple odd connections, but uh, enough. Enough uh, digression here. Let's yeah. get underway. Uh, these, like I said, ten verses, but there's a lot to them. Uh, as we get rolling, would you say a prayer for us and for everyone listening, and also uh, for our brother, uh, Pastor Parviz, who uh, wasn't able to make it today for his uh, health and recovery? Yes. Uh, Heavenly Father, you are not our God only, but the God of all people. Your dwelling and dominion are not limited to one nation, but uh, is over all nations. The earth and all things in it and all things that spring forth from it are yours. Sanctify us in your word of truth that brings us to your Son, Jesus Christ, who is the propitiation, the pure sacrifice that takes away all sin. Only in him may we go up to your house to be with you forever. Sanctify us as we delight in your word, the beautiful Psalm 24 today. May it, as the song of God's people, be our song of grateful praise. And Lord, we're mindful of of our dear fellow Christians who are afflicted in any way. And so we offer prayer for our dear brother uh, in Christ, our dear brother in the holy ministry, uh, Pastor Kevin Parviz, and ask that he would continue to recover. Thank you for his uh, insight by the by the grace of your Holy Spirit in, in, in knowing the Word and bringing uh, the truth of the gospel, even to those who are the children of Israel, the people of uh, the people of Abraham, uh, even as it is your desire that all Israel will be saved, and so we ask that you would be with him and with us as we worship you as your people, delighting to be in your house. To you be all honor and glory with your Son and the Holy Spirit, both now and into the ages of ages. Amen. 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 Thank you, brother. All right. Let's go ahead and we can take it nice and slow here. Um, so I want to just, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got 10 verses. It's, it's nice that we can do that today. So let's just take, uh, as we get started, just the superscription, which is part of verse one in the Hebrew. 
Um, yeah. And then just so basically just just verse one in the Hebrew, which is both the, the title um, and what we have is verse one in our English translations like the ESV right. here. So let's just read that much here and kind of pause and consider the connection to David. And I mean, just this first verse, there's a lot going on in the context of Scripture. So here we go. Without further ado, Psalm 24. A Psalm of David. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. So um, this, this Psalm of David title, right, it's uh, right. fairly common, especially in this part of the Psalter, like the, the Psalm 23, very well-known Psalm of David, Psalm 25 right after it, another um, Psalm of David. Um, in fact, it's kind of almost humorous because in Psalm 25, it just says of David. It's just like, okay, yes, they're all of David. Um, you know, we're, <laughs> we're going to abbreviate right. a little bit more. Um, well, just but, like yeah, Proverbs so, are of Solomon, you know, it, yeah, in yeah, other yeah, words, yeah. The, the source of, of the uh, Psalms is the sweet singer of Israel, who is uh, King David, and, and, yeah. the, uh, and the Proverbs are, are Solomon, his son, and, and uh, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Songs. Right. Exa- exactly right. So, so we, we have this, uh, this, this superscription, which, um, you know, isn't really like a, sur- a surprise, but it is it's something for us to stop and consider then, like how it has a connection uh, to the content of the psalm. And, and typically, as these psalms do, uh, the first verse kind of effectively becomes like the the title almost of, of the psalm, like what's kind of known as, like if you were to you know put it in the hymnal, like what you would call it or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's this theme of everything belongs to Yahweh, everything and everyone. So, um, yeah, your thoughts on like this, this theme and uh, I mean, it certainly is one that shows up in the uh, New Testament too. So there's a few connections we can make. Well, uh, it's interesting that um, uh, I read um, uh, Leupold. Uh, well, I read Kyle Dalich and Leupold on this psalm, and Leupold uh-huh. says one of the things that that is desired to do here is to uh, show that even though we're localizing our our um, that we're in God's house or we're bringing the Ark of the Covenant. Well, you know, I mean, a lot of the commentators think that this was the event that where David brought the Ark of the Covenant back from uh, Kiriath-Jerim or Obed-Edom. We lo- talked about that when we talked about the Gibeonites in, in uh, 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 yeah. Joshua, uh, that uh, David was bringing the Ark back into, uh, or rather, for the first time, into Jerusalem, which he had conquered from the Jebusites. And uh-huh. and in this particular case, uh, that, uh, you know, like you're centering your uh, attention and, and you're, it, you know, God has desired to make himself known, uh, you know, where his word is preached and, and in, in the temple and would ultimately be the temple, but that uh, you're kind of paving the way before that by saying, well, that's not the only place where he is uh, God. He's not only the God of Israel. He's not only the God of the people of Israel, but he's also the God of of the whole world, of the universe, of of all peoples. And and he's that by virtue of his creation of the world. Mm-hmm. He made it. <laughs> he made it all. And that was kind of that's kind of the thing where you know, like in, in ancient times, uh, like among the right. Greeks, they believed that the world and the universe was eternal. Now, if the world and the universe are eternal, which are creatures of God, then they're also right. they're equal to God, and that's why you know right. is that we reject that. Uh, in the beginning, there was only God; there was nothing else. And uh, you know, it's it's interesting. The the other Psalms too, uh, you know, reflect that. Uh, like uh, Psalm fifty is very quaintly, uh, verse twelve says, "If I God says to his people, if I were hungry, I 
would not tell you, for the world in its fullness are mine. And uh, Psalm 89, uh, 12 says, the he- and 11 and 12, the heavens are yours, the earth also is yours, the world and all that is in it. You have founded them, the north and the south, you have created them. And, and so that, that's kind of the idea, that, that in other words, he, he, it is all his. <laughs> it's all his stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't leave it to anybody. He doesn't, you know, like he's not like a, uh, a, a human being who ultimately passes away and, and, and bequeaths his possessions to others. God is the eternal one that uh, is, is uh, the one who owns it all. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, yeah, and that's that. Yeah, that's I can see how that that makes sense, and especially like with the suggestion, right, about like connecting it to the Ark of the Covenant. Like, it, it kind of sets you up for the theme, anyway. Is like, where is God? Right? Like, wh- where yeah. is he? And you know, obviously, in the context of Joshua, um, in the context of King David, um, that's that's focused on the Ark of the Covenant. It's focused on the, the tabernacle, or later the temple, and. Um, you know, so we're going to see that when we when we get to who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord. That seems to be a pretty clear reference to the temple out on Mount Zion, and you have that sort of temple language going on. But it's important, as you're saying, kind of as we orient ourselves here to say, like it's not as if God's like just right there or something like that, like or he's he's the God of like this this little like hill over here, um, but. In, in a profound sense, the entire earth is God's temple. And that and that's kind of the, yes. the prophetic scope that we've seen uh, as we went through Isaiah a little bit, like the idea of kind of the restoration of the earth as the temple of God, like it's in its totality, because, I mean, it really, I mean, the whole thing is his in, in that, that profound sense. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, this is already setting us up for, for this theme of presence, this theme of temple um and, and it's it's starting out really big lest we forget or let or lest we kind of limit or narrow god into saying like oh well you know god's the god of kind of this religious stuff over here on sundays right it's kind of moral right. stuff or something like that right and he's not god of the rest of it the rest of that that's you know practical stuff or political stuff or that's just economics or something like that well in in in, in the ancient times uh it was believed that the god or god or gods were were uh, like the god of the different nation uh and yeah. and uh, you know he may be the god of israel but he is not the god of babylonia he's not the god of egypt he's not according to these ancient beliefs you know of those peoples uh, you know, you're in uh, in this particular case, God is making his assertion that he is he is the only God, and and, and we'd like what um, in Isaiah where he uh, through the prophet he says that I, I don't know of any other God. I mean, I would know. I'm here. I mean, I'm the right. Almighty, Eternal, and I'm everywhere, and and I would know if there's another God, but I don't know of any. You know, and right. then, and you have Solomon's beautiful words, the dedication of the temple. You know, even the heavens of heavens cannot contain you. How much less this house, which I have made for you. You know, it, it's just, yes. it's just awesome that, and Luther, probably one of the most uh, uh, wonderful things Luther said is there is nothing so great that God is not greater. And there's nothing so small as God is not even smaller. You know, it, it's mm. just awesome. Our God. Yeah. That, uh, transcends yeah. everything yeah right 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 yeah that idea that like he's 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 bigger than the biggest things in the sense of that like nothing like 
goes beyond him, right? But he's like smaller than the smallest things in the sense that like you know, he pervades everything. It's not as if there's something that's really small and it's like kind of escaped his attention or or is more nuanced than he is or something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a really cool. That's a really cool quote. I um, yeah. So so you have um, you know, th- this and, and that's really good setting us up for kind of thinking about it in in kind of the Old Testament context. This verse though does show up in the New Testament also. Mm. So it's not yep. just something that we see, um, you know, kind of thinking about it in terms of like, you know, hey, this isn't just a local God, guys. It's not just the God of this hill over here. Um, but it, it gets um, it shows up in First Corinthians. And it's a very interesting uh, quotation, the way it's used in First Corinthians. It's there. Um, and this is a big theme that, that Paul deals with in his letter there. He's talking about questions of conscience and this this question of um eating food that has been sacrificed to idols comes up and you right. know our li- our listeners might might stop and say like that seems like a very specific question why would that <laughs> come up but right. um you know kind of understanding the historical situation where it was like the thing was like the meat market like the butcher right like the you know the meat counter at the grocery store was like also at that time like a pagan temple like it, it was just both right it was just well, kind of like the, the ancient <laughs> yeah, uh, the ancient romans used to sacrifice at any one time like a thing called a hecatomb which was like five thousand animals at one time and i right. mean there was a tremendous amount of sacrifice that was done and so what are you going to do with the meat are you going to just throw it away or are you going to maybe get some money for it and feed people right. with it right and so they would sacrifice uh, these countless animals and then they would uh, just give it to the meat markets and and that's right. what but right. it was sacrificed to an idol you know right. that's the thing i mean and that's that's kind of the idea uh, uh there that uh, you know it was that uh, that was kind of a matter of conscience. I mean, am I going to uh, participate in the sacrifice of an idol? That's the question yes. that's being dealt with there. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Well, well put. So, you know, that that's a situation there in, in Corinth and you know, there's this division in the church about like, Hey, what, what's the right thing to do is the right thing to like, you know, be, be pure and to, you know, not compromise the faith. Right. Um, and so abstain from that stuff. Or is the right thing to do is say, that's just an idol. It doesn't mean anything. Idols aren't real. It's not like there's an, uh, there's actually another god. All those gods are they're false. They're just right. um, you know, fantasies of people's minds, like aura at um at best, so to speak. They're 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 demons, but they're not they're right. not the true they're not not actually gods. And so yeah, we can we can eat that. It means nothing. So there was the division, and um it's interesting because Paul then he goes and cites Psalm twenty four. And he, and he just says this here for, uh, so, so yeah, and just connecting the two, eat whatever sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So, I mean, he uses this verse in a, in a very practical matter and says like, yeah. Hey, look, I mean, everything belongs to God, including this meat. So yeah, don't, you know, don't have any bashfulness, hesitation about it. So yeah. What do you, what do you think about like Paul's like, you know, application there and, I mean, I you know, reading reading the verse here in verse you know, Psalm twenty four, you, you you probably don't think of like, oh yeah, that's that's like kind of the practical application here, but uh, but yeah, I mean, like Paul manages to connect the dots um, on this on this really pressing question they had. Well, he's he's trying to uh, show that your conscience should be free 
from from any superstition or any 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 idea that they're you know and it's it's like uh, you should have the freedom in Christ to uh, and recognizing the fact that that everything all creation is God's. However, you should be concerned about the conscience of your fellow Christian or of the other of another person who will say, well, this was sacrificed to an idol. Okay, under those circumstances, say, well, for the sake, not for your sake, because you have the right understanding by the grace of God, but the other person uh, is could be in danger of. Um, you know, losing their faith or, or not, you know, saying, well, you know, is it okay for you as a Christian to be supporting these other gods? In that case, you would refrain from, from eating it, not because of your uh, sake, but for that other person for whom Christ died, the apostle says, you know, would you destroy by your meat the, the soul for whom Christ died? Because like Christ died even for those who are not saved, he's died for all people. And um, like in this case, it, 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 it's kind of like a situation, though, that you, but you can't be too free and easy. You can't go to the temple, the local temple there in Corinth, and uh, you know celebrate one in one of their uh, banquets up there. You know how can you right. eat the bread of the Lord, eat at an idol's table? You know, and right. that, that's where there's some there's some boundaries here. But he's talking like, well, what about the food that's in the in the meat market? You know, you right. buy it and you eat it and you you give it give thanks. But if right. someone says, well, hey this stuff was offered to an idol, then you say, okay, I'm not going to eat it for the right, sake of right. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. And, and you got to read, you got to keep reading, right? <laughs> Cause if you just, yeah. if you just read verses 25 and 26, like I just read, just going back to first Corinthians and yes, we, we will get back to the Psalm and, and get out of the new Testament. Okay. But <laughs> um, if you just read verses 25 and 26 there, you might be thinking, Hey, look, see, like, here, Paul even says it, you know, this Bible verse gives us the right, you know, we can do this, right? And right. unfortunately, this is kind of like where a lot, uh, a lot of times we, sinful human beings, we stop reading. We, we look at, the, we, we go to the Bible and we're like, hey, look at this. Hey, look, I can still do that. Like, hey, the Bible doesn't say anything wrong about that. Hey, the Bible actually says I can do this. And, and well, we just kind of like go... As long right, as right. I pray it, about it, or right, yeah, 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 right. And so we, and we're, we're kind of just going to the Bible to kind of like get a permission slip, basically, for whatever it is that we already have our hearts set on. But I mean, I mean, that's not how God wrote the Bible. The, the Bible is not meant to be something that you just you look for to see, like, okay, now how how far can I press this before I cross the line? Like, that's not the spirit that it's right. written in. And and actually, it's striking that Paul goes and he basically agrees with one uh, with one side of the debate in Corinth and says, hey, yeah, you, you guys are right. It's in the Bible. You do have the right. But guess what? Doesn't matter. I mean, right. because there's something more important than rights. And as you were saying, it's it's love for the neighbor. Like, I mean, what what are your rights, compa- you know, personal rights of freedom or whatever? What he says, you know, what is that compared to loving the person that God has put in front of you. And, and he goes on later to say, you know what? Like, I would rather, ne- I would rather never eat meat for the rest of my life. Um, if it meant that I could like help people around me and if that was actually going to do them good. I, I mean, and he goes and just says that, like, I don't care about any of my rights. I'll just give them all up now if it means helping people. So, I mean, that really is striking the way, I mean, in the full context here, it's like, yeah, this gets quoted in the new Testament, but like don't use the Bible is kind of like your proof text for just doing whatever you want. And I, I think actually, it's kind of last thing before we got to go into our break here. Uh, I think it actually 
actually, it pays attention to the other half of verse one, right? Because what what does it say? It doesn't just say like, oh, hey, God's in everything or the full everything belongs to God, right? But it says, and all those living in it, all those living in the world, including those people. So, I mean, I think he's connecting the idea that, hey, that neighbor is also a creation of God, and you had to be respecting that and loving mm. that person that God's put there. So I, I think he's actually faithful to the other half of the of the verse. But hold that thought. We're already yeah. over time. But I think um, that's a very good application, yes. Yeah, yeah, there's both halves, right? But everyone, hang with us. We're looking at Psalm 24 today on the Ice Strong Word, and we'll be right back. Did you know that many LCMS military personnel and their families are unable to receive Word and Sacrament ministry due to the lack of LCMS chaplains? Ministry to the Armed Forces is looking for pastors who will answer the call to serve as a chaplain to provide Word and Sacrament ministry to the men and women who selflessly serve our nation. Find out more about this exciting ministry by contacting me, Chaplain Craig Mueller, at lcmschaps at lcms.org. That is lcmschaps at lcms.org. Ecclesiastes 10 verse 10 states, If the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. But wisdom helps one to succeed. Find this true wisdom in Christ on Sharper Iron every weekday morning at 8 a.m. here on Worldwide KFUO. Sharpen the iron of your faith together with two pastors as they take up the sword of the Spirit to proclaim the gifts of Christ crucified and risen for you. Hi, I'm Pastor Mark Hawkinson. You know, life is a potpourri of good experiences and really tough challenges. Through all those times you need, and so do I, the Lord's precious word and sacred music to get you through. That's what you get when you tune in to Moments of Assurance, Christ-centered songs, scripture, news items, trivia, humor, you name it. So tune in. You'll be richer for it over the noontime hour here on Worldwide KFUO. Moments of Assurance is underwritten by Mid-American Coaches. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at Psalm 24, taking a little break before we go right back into the book of Joshua and continuing that story of the inheritance of the land. Looking at Psalm 24 today, this psalm in the ESV gets the heading, the King of Glory. And we're going to get to that King of Glory part um, that we that we sing so um, proudly in that uh, nice Christmas um, Advent song, Lift Up Your Heads, You Mighty Gates. So very, very cool song, very cool psalm that we're looking at today. And we're joined by Pastor David Boyce Clare, pastor of Faith and Bethesda Lutheran Churches in Pine Lawn, Missouri. I want to make sure to invite our live listeners. If you have any questions or comments here on this psalm, we're looking at 1-800-730-2727. If you want to call in with any questions or comments, also if you're in St. Louis, 314 or as always, an email, kfuo at kfuo.org. Also, thanks uh, Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your continued support in underwriting the program. Check them out at lhfmissions.org. So 
Returning to the psalm, uh, we were just uh, discussing this a little bit more kind of in the context, because Paul quotes it in 1 Corinthians 10, this first verse, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. We were talking about there's the other half of that there. You know, it's not just all the stuff, but all the people are God's. And and just uh, let me continue like the, just read the second verse here really quick, um, and then kind of get your your thoughts kind of connecting these two. It says, then continuing into verse two, for he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. So, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, it's really just, you kind of already raised this, but you know, it is, it is emphatic in Hebrew for he, right. Is the one who did it. Right. I mean, so it's like, Mm -hmm. if he did it, he, then it's his, right. So it says that, um, and then it just, it's just kind of this poetic parallelism as we've seen before, founded it upon the seas, established it upon the rivers, kind of an interesting way of putting it. So, yeah, I mean, connecting these two then and kind of reflecting on this, um, you know, this idea, like you know, all this stuff and all the people belong to him because he made them all. And and that's kind of, it, it's a little troubling in verse two because it does the, does the dry land uh, uh, float upon the waters. <laughs> now you have yeah. to remember uh, that uh, the Psalms are, poetic and they 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 have they they don't the main meaning that god has in it because there's always one literal meaning of god's word it's just one you know there's one god intended meaning meaning um and and it could be figuratively here figurative here although um there is a another interpretation by uh uh, Leupold, who said that he, he founded it beside or or by the side of the seas and established it by the side of the rivers, uh, which is the idea. Well, obviously, in, in Genesis 1, it says that he uh, separated the uh, the dry land, or rather, he separated the waters from the waters and then let the dry land appear. Or let the dry land, no, it's actually the waters shall be gathered into one place and let the dry land appear. And, yeah. and so, in, in a sense, it's, maybe you can kind of say it's like the, wor- the, the dry land is in the midst of the waters, like in, the, in terms of that the world yeah. is two-thirds water and, and right. uh, one-third dry land. And so, and, and he's the one that made it this way. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. I mean, it, it did cross my mind a little bit, too, that one, one of the you know hazards of, of trying to you know, read closely and really meditate on things is you, you look at things and you're like, hang on a second, like, now, what, what does it really mean by that? Um, and, and you're and you're right though that like uh, and, and people talk about this like like um, I'm trying to think like, um, like oh yeah so for instance like in England right there's there's a place that's connected with Shakespeare right his birthplace Stratford upon Avon Avon's a river yes. right yeah um, and it's called a, it's the word is upon right like you know the right. same word that we have here this kind of old fashioned word upon um, but yes that we get from the King King James but in the ESV preserved here upon um, and of course, Stratford upon Avon, it's it's not like uh, the city's like floating on the river or like right. the, the city is like basically a giant bridge that is like suspended over the river. Like, no, it's like kind of a, a pond in the sense that like it like goes right up to it. Right. Like right. That it kind of you know, when, when people say like, you know, something kind of washes up like onto the sh- I mean, there's this kind of like on in terms of like, you know, facing each other. Right. Like the, right. the, the, the sea is right up on the coast and the coast is right up on the sea in that kind of respect. So you got kind of like stop thinking of it, stop, stop looking at the thing um, from like the side view, right? 
and kind of look at it from top down in that right. respect. And and I and I think you're I think it's actually basically right that it, that that's kind of how you're you're meant to be uh, meant to, meant to be looking at it. And that and that kind of actually makes more sense about especially the second part about rivers <laughs> anyway. Right. Does it make any sense to say that like it's like on top of a river or something? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Of course, like in, in Genesis, where it talks about the flood, it says that, that uh, at one point in, in, during the course of the God bringing the flood on the earth, all of the fountains of the great deep were broken open. You know, I mean, it, so, so there's water that probably came up from out of the earth and also the water that came down from, from the heavens and so on. In other words, the return of chaos. Uh, this, this is kind of saying that God ordered everything. Uh, he mm-hmm. it, everything is is ordered by him and 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 like for instance the psalmist and the and the prophets sometimes speak about God set a limit for the waters that they're not going to overwhelm the world and and uh, you know like the, the, this kind of points out the fact that God is the one who has set a limit even to creation right and I think okay so yeah that's a really good phrase here set a limit right like I think that is actually the idea it's the idea of of borders and limits right it, it's mm-hmm. like the Lord says waters thus far shall you come and no further right yeah. um in and, in and the same way like with the land like you know so he's the one who says this, this is where it, it's going and and nope you, you don't go past this line. Um, and that is actually the idea that we have preserved like throughout church tradition, uh, which is this big idea of creation as a continuous and ongoing thing that th- the reason why the water doesn't like just come up and just keep going and just, you know, flood everything and wipe us all out is because by, you know, by the power of God, by his the power of his word, I mean, he's holding everything together in balance that like the created order. Right. We talk about this, that like that creation, like that there, there are natural laws. Right. Like, well, well yeah. why do we start using those terms? Like because the idea was that these are the laws of nature that like are mandated by the lawgiver, God. Right. So mm-hmm. when you talk about natural law, I mean, that, that is originally this kind of lawgiver God idea metaphor right that like god like made the laws and like every creation has to obey it so right. i mean so luther luther talked about this then and said like hey the re- the reason why like you know we're not being flooded right now and, and the wires aren't, aren't coming up um is because of, of the word of god so i think that's absolutely the idea here that like it's he, he's saying you know hey all this stuff is his you know for you know on, on the one hand kind of like yeah because he's the one who made it so it's his but also it's sort of like I mean, the only reason why it even continues on, the only reason why isn't it all wiped out, you know, with respect to like, you know, you mentioned kind of the the whole flood and and Noah and stuff, right? The only reason why it's still here (laughs) is because he's keeping it here. He's protecting it. And and that goes back to this very fundamental idea. So, uh, yeah, it's it's not just in the past, but it's it's an ongoing thing. And actually, it's kind of interesting. I'm not, I haven't messed with this very much, but that last verb in verse two, it is a little bit ambiguous and yet you could actually take that as an ongoing present. Like, like he regularly establishes it and reestablishes it on the river. Is that, that's probably taking it too far, but um, it just stood out to me that it is a different word form. Yeah. It, 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 because like if it's an, well, it's an imperfect, uh, you know, an ancient, you know, looking at it grammatically in the Hebrew and, you know, an imperfect means it's something that goes on in the past and may go on in the future, you know, or a present, you know, a present tense, uh, like in Greek is something which is ongoing. So I I think that's a good point. Yes. 
Yeah. So, I mean, it could, it could be that it could also just simply be like a summary view of like, yeah, he's the one who, you know, established, you know, the rivers and, and, and set them in their place. Like it, it could just mean that, but it, it is just kind of interesting, you know, and you know what ancient interpreters of the Bible always were comfortable saying, Hey, there's a couple possibilities and I am fine with all of them. So, <laughs> exactly. uh, yes. Yeah. We don't, we don't have to necessarily claim we've figured it all out. So then that's okay. All right. But yeah, so very, very good stuff. Very good stuff. Uh, first two verses, very important to understand. Let's go ahead, though, and read the next chunk. So the ESV helpfully breaks this down into three little chunks, three little paragraphs here. Okay, so let's read the second one now, verses three through six here. All right. So we're not, we're not quite yet to the part that's, uh, you know, from the from the hymn, but we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. So <laughs> here's verses three through six then. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. All right, so... Uh, now we, we have a, a question, which is a very natural way of uh, introducing a new topic, a new idea, right? So, okay, yeah, God is everywhere, but there is this special place uh, where he has made himself known. And kind of naturally, uh, the question arises like, oh, well, who's going who's gonna to get to go there and, and, and see that, right? Yeah. So I, I think that like in the in, in the logic here, I think this is meant to then be like a way of describing God's people then that right. like, it's not so much as if like, you know, like whoever like is a good person, like they, well, they have their own personal temple in their hearts or something like that. Like, I, I think this is, this is, um, I mean, it's kind of put in terms of like a question and answer, but it's meant to be like describing, yeah, these are, these are God's people. God has has made them like this and has cleaned their hands and given them a pure heart. And that's why that's why he put his temple up here so that they could come up here. Exactly. And, um, you know, it's interesting about the Psalter. The Psalter, as as uh, I think Luther or some of the other commentators says, is is all an exposition of the first commandment. Uh, in other yeah. words, yeah. um, uh, what are who who is the one who is the true worshiper of Yahweh and who is you know in in and so on in a sense it's it's kind of like uh, what what is what is required also for making for us being God's people that we are to be a holy you know a separate from sin or, or taken off of sin a people of clean hands and pure heart. Uh, you know, right. we should we should fear and love God that we may not we may be holy and that we may refrain from what is unholy. And that, Absolutely, that's kind of the idea that that's going on here. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah the first the first commandment, right? We always we're always just going back to that that idea, and um, yeah, and also like you know, kind of speaking of like kind of like uh you know parts of you know catechesis, I suppose. Yeah. This also reminded me. Besides the the first commandment, I was thinking of uh, the Beatitudes because oh, yeah. in, in, the, in the Beatitudes of our Lord, and I suppose if if anyone did do fourth Sunday after the Epiphany yesterday, you would have uh, read this in Matthew five. Um, but our Lord says, 
uh, where, where is it? Making the connection to verse four there, right? Um, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And, and I think that's kind of the same idea here, right? That like th- th- those who have the, the, the pure heart, the clean hands, right? They're the ones who get to um, go up and, and see God. That's the idea. I mean, like when it says there, receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. I mean, that's uh, that's not, it, the language is a little bit abstract, but I think the connection is like concretely with the temple, actually, like we're receiving right. a blessing there. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Yeah. You right. know, and he talks about righteousness here. As, and I mean, the Psalter in this psalm, you know, there's the, the righteousness, a God of his salvation, and so on. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's really good to bring up. Okay, so this righteousness caught my eye, too. And I, I mean, I think it's uh, after going through 66 chapters of Isaiah, like, I feel like this really has just kind of reinforced the idea in my mind that in the Old Testament, you know, when you see righteousness, the, the usual meaning, it, it seems, I, I mean, like, just, I mean, at least in Isaiah, for sure, easily, like, I mean, like, we're talking like 80 plus percent or something is the idea of like God showing up and vindicating his people and like giving them justice by saving them and by mm-hmm. defeating their enemies that like righteousness is uh and and this is why I think sometimes you get the word translated actually in uh, different places of the old testament you get the word translated as salvation actually right uh, i mean because it's right. just it's just that clear and, e- and even here in verse 5 i mean it's connected to the idea right it says and righteousness from what the God of his salvation. So it's just connecting the idea just explicitly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I feel like you, you, you see this um, in the old Testament you see it in the new Testament too, right? I mean, yeah, uh, the Lord uses the idea of the word righteousness, like those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. But you know, how is, um, how is Simeon? If we, if we looked at the readings for Candlemas yesterday, how is Simeon described one who was waiting what for the redemption of Israel, right? He's waiting for yes. God to save Israel. That's what he's hungry and thirsty for, right? So, right. I mean, I, I think these things all all tie together there that, like, this righteousness, we're, we're talking about God showing up and saving his people. Yes, exactly. And and, and interesting, in verse 4, it says, you're, you're sold to what is false. So the idea there, too, is that you're not supposed to uh, be calling on an idol, you know, what is vain or false. That's kind of the idea there, too. It, it, only from God do you get righteousness and salvation, and bless, yeah, blessing, right. righteousness, and salvation. And, and yes. he is, he's the only one that can give it to you, so he's the only one you should go to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that, and that's, that's also very fitting for what we saw in Isaiah, just all those statements of, yeah, and the idols aren't going to do you uh, one lick of good. They're not going to be able to do anything to save you. Um, I want to turn now. We have a we have Cheryl uh, from Indianapolis. Uh, hey, it's been a little, it's been a little while, Cheryl. Uh, calling in with a question or comment here for us on Psalm twenty four. Go ahead, Cheryl. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. I've had voice problems. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, no. I was, yeah, <laughs> I was looking at uh, um, verse three. The question: uh-huh. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in His holy place? And it reminded right. me of Ephesians 2, verse 4, where it, 
it starts saying, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I think that's talking about our baptism, but wow, I I thought that is who shall stand, who shall yeah. Th- thank you. Thank Only you, Cheryl. I th- yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, I, I just thought this is really speaking the gospel truth to us. <laughs> yeah, it, Amen. It's interesting that in Psalm, what is it, 143, one of the penitential Psalms, if you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness right. yep. with you that you may be feared. And, and and that's what what uh, she's saying here is so so relevant and so important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I agree. I, I like the connection, Cheryl, and I appreciate you calling in to make the connection. And I'm also glad to hear that that God has given you some relief uh, from the voice uh, problems that you were experiencing. God God bless you and give you uh, the fullest and uh, most complete healing um, according to His will. But yeah, so good to hear from you again. And and I like the connection because I think you're. You're really on the on the same wavelength with us here. That th- this is meant to be less of a dis- less of a like. Well, how do you get to the the hill of the Lord? Well, you know, clean your hands really thoroughly, right? Purify your heart, right? And then m- maybe you'll get to go up there. Like this is less of like this isn't like an instruction thing, but this is like a this is a description thing. Like, hey, like who are the people who do this? I mean, again, you know, actually in verse three, like that verb that is kind of like a future form. It, it can have that meaning of like, who are the people who do this regularly, actually, right? Um, and, 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 you know, truthfully in Hebrew, like the, the future kind of is never really that far away from that kind of ongoing idea. And so, yeah, I think, I think it's like you said, you know, it's like it's the, the people who whose hands have been cleaned and whose hearts have been purified, who are the people who have been baptized. And, um, uh, of course, that, that imagery and, yeah, that, I love that part in, in uh, Ephesians too, because the idea is it's like if you're connected with Christ, then when Christ ascended into heaven, right, to the heavenly Jerusalem, as we read in Hebrews, right, to the heavenly temple, right, then that means that you go with him through baptism, ascending to the heavenly Jerusalem and to the heavenly temple, right? I mean, so it really, yes, it is fulfilled um, most profoundly in baptism and in the Lord's ascension, um, which, you know, I mean, that's, that's still coming down the pike in terms of the church here, but, uh, yeah, definitely a few connections there. So, um, I, yeah, I think, I think that really has, uh, unpacked this second section here really well. We do want to spend a little bit of time here in verses seven to 10 though, I think. Right. Uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's go ahead and read this final paragraph that, uh, Lord willing will sound familiar to many of you as we read it. Verses 7 through 10. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. So it, it's just, uh, it's a lovely 
uh, triumphant tone, right? Just really, you know, full of like repetition and announcement. You know, it's like this idea of here comes the king, right? He's coming in, like open up quick, you know, like make way. And I mean, I mean, just it's a you know triumphal entry kind of thing. You could see, yeah, this would work really well for. Um, I'm not sure it's like if it's used this way, but I mean, this would work really well. I think the hymn is actually used in any case for um, you know Passion Sunday or um, right. Palm Sunday. The, the tradi- yeah. uh, tradition was there was a, um, uh, a pseudo-gospel of uh, Nicodemus, and mm. uh, they th- basically it was the harrowing of hell that's mentioned. Uh, you know, uh, Kyle Dalich in their commentary say, well, no, 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 <laughs> that's not <laughs> the idea here. <laughs> but uh, uh, it, 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 like the <laughs> picture is, is that you have hell uh, or death, uh, as a as a stronghold, and then and then Christ uh, descends into hell, and obviously the idea is correct. He descended there to proclaim his victory over uh, the yeah. devil and hell and death. And it says, "Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up." And then and then of course Christ uh, take uh, releases all of the people that are in the edge of hell, uh, known as the limbus patrum, and you know Adam and through uh, John the Baptist and brings them up to heaven uh, when he ascended when yeah that's just kind of yeah. the, that tradition which yeah. uh, so so it's not only an advent and it's probably more properly an advent hymn him uh, yeah, and, yeah. And, and in this case it's kind of like an easter easter hymn as well yeah yeah right yeah i, I can see that it's uh <laughs> yeah like oh open up here here he comes right like but 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 uh yeah no i i think that you're right that like more properly this is to be understood in a, in a friendly sense like you know, like, hey, yeah, the, here comes your king, right? And so you're you're happy to see him, right? And that's that's consistent with like the, the jubilant um, tone, and just of course the idea also in um, the Old Testament setting, right? Because it's like, you no, know, here comes King David, you know, back from battle, right, with the Ark of the mm-hmm. Covenant, right? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, there's celebration in the city, you know, like like open up that the, that the king may come in, and of course, interesting, right? Because you know, who is the king of glory, right? I mean, this is interesting. It's a Psalm of David, King David, but who's the king of glory? It's not David. I mean, right. it says it very, very clearly. Who's the king of glory? King David says, it's not me. It's the Lord of hosts. And he, I mean, this is important, right? I mean, he says like, uh, how does he put it there in verse eight, right? Um, that he is strong and mighty. He is mighty in battle. I mean, like, just and it is like a little bit of a an emphatic thing there too, right? Like this pointing yes. language. So I mean, just think about that 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 the the king who's so popular and who's described as the warrior who who slays tens of thousands. He's just he's just passing all the glory and the accolades onto the god who gives him the victory. And and even in in uh, the book of um, Joshua, or uh, well, in, in, in I think in First Kings and so on, and Samuel, I think it's First Samuel. There, there's the book of the wars of Yahweh. Yeah. And so and so Yahweh, of course, you know, he's present among his people. Uh, the, his armies with the Ark of the Covenant, and so you know, which which of course is 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 kind of like the where where God has directed our attention for His coming to us, uh, and and uh, He is the He is the one who does battle uh, with, for us against the devil and against sin and death and all the enemies of God's people. 
For we yeah, right. do not strive against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and powers and the rulers of, of spiritual evil in the heavenly places, as the Apostle tells us. Yes, yeah, exa- exactly. And that's, um, I mean, that's consistent with the language here, like in verse 8, where it says, like, mighty in battle. I mean, that's a word that can mean hero or warrior, right? Like, mm-hmm. war, war hero. You know? I mean, so he's described as a, as a warrior here. Of course, the term in verse 10, Lord of hosts. I mean, that, that's basically General Yahweh is, is the term that's being used there. He's the commander of the hosts, the armies, right? Um, and that's just as you were right, exactly, ex- exactly. That's that's the Hebrew term that's referring to the armies, his armies that he commands. And uh, that's consistent with what we saw in Isaiah, that it's, it's, it's Yahweh who is the one who puts on his armor. It's called the armor of God because he's the one who suits up in it to do battle and to, to mm-hmm. save his people. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. That That's a, that's a very important point to be highlighting as well. So yeah, just a minute here. So yeah, connecting all these ideas, you, you, it goes from, you know, creation um, and not just in the sense of like, he kind of like built all this stuff a long time ago, but he's the one who, who, who is, who commands it then and now, right. Establishes the borders. You know, he's the King. He's the warrior who gives us the victory who makes us, clean and pure in heart, right? So, I mean, tying these ideas together, creation um, and this, like, righteousness, glory, right? Exactly. And, and you know, all of he is the, uh, is the Lord of all the hosts. If one, uh, I would encourage our uh, listeners to read uh, Psalm 148. They list all of his, all of his uh, hosts, which are all of creation, the angels, the stars, uh, you know, all of the, cre- uh, all of the wonders of creation. Amen. Amen. And then, of course, you know, after you read that, then connect that, this word glory here. That's the word that Simeon uses, glory of your people Israel, right? When he sees the baby, the Lord Jesus, only at 40 days, right? He is the glory. He is the mighty warrior who already comes and begins to give his people victory, as he does for us today. Thank you so much, brother. So good uh, yes. having you on. Thank you for filling in short notice uh, for Pastor Parviz. And again, our, our prayers and thoughts uh, go out to him and his family. Uh, but yeah, looking forward to having you on again real soon and uh, looking yes. forward to continuing through Joshua, right? Exactly. Yes. May God may God be with you and, and all the listeners of God's Word here. Thank you, brother. Everybody, that was Pastor David Boyce Claire, pastor of Faith in Bethesda Lutheran Churches in Pine Lawn, Missouri. Thanks for joining us today. Take a look at this at this hymn, this psalm here. It's nice to take a look at these sometimes, but we're going back into Joshua. We gotta wrap up this story here. Caleb next time. So check that out. I'm Pastor AJ Espinosa. Till next time. Peace. been listening to Thy Strong Word, produced by the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at KFUO.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.